Acts chapter 14, page 1109. 1109. Beginning at verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There... They spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to ill-treat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He'd been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet! That the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus. Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and, with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. 
After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. And when they preached the, world in word, preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Good evening, everybody. Um, Before I say anything else, um, let's pray, shall we? Father God, we praise you this evening. We praise you for the message of the gospel. Uh, We praise you for how glorious and wonderful and just how much good news it is to those who believe. We pray, God, that our hearts might behold its beauty in you, that we might see it afresh and we might know the earnestness that it must be proclaimed. And we ask you, Lord, that we would be given eyes and be given ears to see and hear you this evening. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Um, It's late at night. You get a knock on the door and you wonder who it could be. Uh, You get up, you open the door, and there's a man standing there. There's a few people around him. And the more you glare into the darkness, the, the, the more you can see that this man has got blood pouring from his head his face it's beaten it's bruised it's broken his body it's covered in cuts and scars the the crowd rush him in they push past you they they stitch him up they wipe off the blood and they leave him to rest they leave you sit down beside this man and you say why are you doing this are you trying to kill yourself Surely you're not going to keep going, are you? Paul opens his mouth and he replies, At all costs, the word must be preached at all costs. That's the message of our text tonight. Please keep Acts 14 open um, in front of you. So great is the gospel, so great is the love of God for us, that the word of God must be preached at all costs. That was Paul's aim, his goal, so it should be ours as well. At all costs, the words, the words must be preached, and we are the messengers. But preaching the word is difficult. It's not only difficult to prepare what you're going to say, or if you're a missionary, to physically travel to a different country. It's not only difficult to embody the gospel, that you not only confess it with your lips, but you also uh, confess it with your heart as well. But whenever you actually get up to speak, or whenever you do your best to share the gospel wherever you are, it's hard to do it because things don't always go to plan. Sometimes people will refuse to listen. Sometimes people will actually make you shut up. And sometimes when you preach, people misunderstand. But in light of all this, the gospel must be preached. Paul is no stranger to persecution when we come to Acts 14. Uh, For a start, quite ironically, he used to be one of the persecutors, so he knows exactly what it's like to be persecuting the early church. Uh, If you look back at chapter 13, verse 50, uh, you will see that in Pisidian Antioch, some Jews stirred up persecution, and they drove Paul and Barnabas out of the city. Uh, They didn't drive them in a car. Uh, Paul and Barnabas probably had to run for their lives. They get to the edge of the town and they shake the dust off their feet saying, we're done with this city, Um, we've told them the gospel, God can have his judgment upon them. 
But they keep going. They don't give up. The word must be preached at all costs. Where next? They said to one another. Where must this message go next? Iconium. Let's go there. So Paul and Barnabas set off on their relentless mission to keep going, to keep preaching, to keep sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and to keep seeing Jesus change lives. And this is where we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 14. After 80 miles of walking, they finally arrive in a place called Iconium. They head to the synagogue and they begin to preach. And as soon as they open their mouths, immediately the word is at work. Paul and Barnabas preach a great number preach on a great number of both Jews and Gentiles believe, and that's great. Praise God for that. People trusted in him. People move from darkness into life. Sometimes because it's such a small little sentence that because we don't know these people or really know their situation, we can brush over that. We like to concentrate on the big stories of Acts, you know, the, the time Paul gets bitten by a snake or a shipwreck or something amazing happens. But don't forget that people get saved, people trust in Jesus, and people get adopted into God's family. On the other hand, however, we shouldn't be surprised, because whenever the word of God is preached, people are bound to get saved. Whenever the word of God is preached, people are bound to be saved. But not everybody is saved, and not everybody is happy. And we've seen this pattern in Acts before and it will continue to be repeated. I'm sure you've maybe seen it in your own lives as well. In this town there's a group of Jews that seem to be persecuting Paul and Barnabas. That wherever they go, they follow. Not because they're fans, not because they love Paul and Barnabas, not because they think they're great. But because they hate what they're saying and they want to try to silence them. And these Jews, these non-believers come and they cause havoc. They poison the minds of the people. And there's a huge division. There are people who believe in the message that Paul brings. And there are people who want to kill him. And it doesn't take long for things to come to a head. A plot is hatched. Paul and Barnabas' lives are unparable. So they flee. They get out. Not because they're concerned about their own lives. Not because they're concerned about their own well-being. But somebody must preach. And if they're dead, who's going to do that? They flee to escape with their lives. So they can live to fight another day when the gospel is preached some believe and some can't stand it some can't cope with the good news because their sin is so deep in their hearts and then we have this division and we kind of think oh we can preach the gospel and we don't really need to preach division we can still share the gospel and you know we don't need to offend We don't need to cause a a havoc. We don't need to cause division whenever we do it. Surely I can preach the gospel and I can keep my mates at the same time. And this passage says that not always. I'm not saying that you deliberately go out and you lose your friends because you preached on their throats. But sometimes when we preach the gospel, people won't like us and they won't like what we say. And in this passage we see the gospel dividing a city, dividing homes, dividing families, Dividing friends and dividing communities. These are real people who are being divided in this passage. Jesus says, Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but I have come to bring a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother. And a person's enemies will be those in his own house. Maybe tonight you know what that's like. Maybe your husband... Your wife, your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, your best friend, they just can't stand Jesus. 
don't worry. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with what you believe. Jesus says that if the word is preached, if his message is shared, there will be division. That's a guarantee. But even so, the message must be preached, and it must be preached at all cost. Word preached, people saved, Paul and Barnabas leave Iconium, and they head to Lystra, where they take a nice holiday. Oh, no, uh, where they lay low, so the persecutors will leave them alone, and that's not right either, where they continue to preach the gospel. Persecuting Jews right on their heels, Paul and Barnabas keep going. And it's here in this place, in Lystra, that Luke, our author, focuses in on a particular miracle. We've had miracles before in our passage in verse 3. We're not really sure what happened, we're not sure what the powerful signs were, but in Lystra, Luke focuses on a miracle. And he talks about this man who had been lame um, since birth. Uh, and Paul sees him. He might have heard Paul's words. This lame man has heard Paul's preaching, heard his words. And Paul has seen that this man is, yeah, he's genuine. He believes. And not only, that, only does this man believe in Jesus Christ, he believes that Jesus Christ can do anything. This man receives eternal life. And he also receives new legs as well. This man gets up. He goes walking and he goes leaping. It's a little bit like what happened earlier in Acts with Peter. uh, That little link between Peter um, and Paul. The man gets up. He goes walking and he goes leaping. And people notice this. It's not really surprising, isn't it, that people notice this man who's never walked before walking. And people can't get enough of Paul. They think he's great. Paul and Barnabas, wow, look at the power that they have brought with them. Or rather, they call him Hermes, and they call him, and they call Paul, um, or they call Barnabas Apollo. They look at Paul and Barnabas, and they don't see men; they see gods, people of great power, and they want to throw a massive party. They want to have a great big feast, and they wanted to offer sacrifices to them. And what a pity it is that these people confuse the message and the power of the gospel with the messengers. Paul and Barnabas scream, "No, it's not us. We're not powerful." We're not the God we're talking about. It's somebody else. We're not God. They rip their clothes. They're showing how frustrated, how angry, how saddened they are that these people don't get what they're saying. So Paul stands up in the crowd and he preaches. He proclaims the gospel in the midst of this chaotic crowd. He telling, urging, pleading them. Turn from useless things, he says. Turn to the worship of false gods who can do nothing. I'm not a God. It's not me or Barnabas. It's the living God. It's the God of the universe. The God who shares shores gifts upon you. The God who gives you rain and harvest. Turn to him. Turn from useless things to the living God. Don't offer sacrifices to us. Go to the God who freely gives. A God that doesn't need to be pleased by you. A God who's only grace for you. But after his sermon, after all the preaching, after preaching his heart out, this crowd doesn't see it doesn't hear and it won't turn. And this points to another sad truth of what happens when the gospel is preached. Sometimes people don't get it right. Sometimes they misunderstand. They see the power of God at work in front of their eyes, but yet they don't understand what the gospel is. A preacher can preach their heart out, but it's up to God to raise the dead to life. This excitement towards Paul and Barnabas doesn't last long. The, person, the persecution party has caught up with Paul. And to see how weak the belief is in the crowd. One minute they're like Paul and Barnabas, Apollo and Hermes, they're great. The next minute they're like, kill them. 
Look at the contrast that we see in that. That's how fickle the human heart is. One minute we cry for one thing, the next we cry for another. The Jews arrive, the Lycurians give in. Paul is grabbed, he's dragged out of the city and he is stoned and he's believed to be dead. The Jews and the crowd leave his body for the dogs and the birds to feast on. But he's not dead. He's broken, he's bleeding, bleeding, he's bruised. And to be honest, you wouldn't really blame Paul at this point if he said, well actually I think enough is enough. Actually I think I need a bit of a break, I need to pack this all in. I've suffered enough. But what does he do? He gets up. At all costs, the word must be preached. And this is the gospel messenger. This is what the person that Paul embodies. The one who says at all costs, this message is so amazing, it must go out. Even if it costs me everything, even if it costs me my life, the word must be preached. And this is the attitude that Paul will go on to write about in Philippians. This is what he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may may gain Christ. Paul says, if this will make me more like Christ, then I will do it. If this means that Jesus Christ is glorified and his word proclaimed, fine, stone away. Everything else is rubbish in comparison. You can't say Paul doesn't practice what he preaches. After having rocks hurled at his head, the disciples come to him, they pick him up, and uh, Paul and Barnabas head back into the city where the people were that just stoned him. The next day they go to a place called Derby to take a holiday. No. To to lay low? No. To preach. To proclaim the word of God. And that word of God again saves souls. People come to God and God welcomes them into his family. Paul embodies that Captain America fighting spirit. If you've seen any of those new Marvel movies, uh, Captain America is a famous line. Normally after he's floored to the ground by a punch, he gets up and he says, I can do this all day. Paul says, I can do this all day, not in my strength, but in his, not for my glory, but for his, not that I might be famous, but that Jesus Christ might be. At all costs, Paul is determined that the word must be preached. And then look at what Paul and Barnabas do next. They go back. They go back to all those places where they were persecuted, go back to all those places where people uh, hated them, where people were shouting at them, where people wanted them to leave, because they wanted to go back to encourage the believers. The word must be preached to non-believers, but Christians need to hear the word of God too. They need to be encouraged as well. We need to be encouraged as Christians. Paul knows that people need to be appointed as church elders, that congregations are kept safe. Paul is thinking, if I'm going to be persecuted for saying this, imagine what's, what's going to happen to the church I've just planted. They're going to need people to help them and to serve them and to love them. But Paul, you've already been there. Yes, but I need to go back. I have a deep love for those believers. I need to make sure they're all right. I need to go and I need to encourage them. Finally, what we call Paul's first missionary journey comes to an end. 
when he and Barnabas returned to Antioch, uh, from where they were sent off in chapter 13, they come back to the believers and they're filled with joy. They gathered the whole church together and they speak of all God had done, how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and what an amazing thing that was. They probably told them of all that God, all the people that God has saved. They probably said what they preached and what they declared. Notice they don't come back and complain. They don't come back and gloat. They don't say we really are the best missionaries in the world because if you've seen what we've went through. They don't come back broken and low either. But with hearts that declare God's goodness and scars that tell of God's greatness. They don't come back and say we nearly died. Or we were nearly worshipped as gods. Or we were stalked by a group of Jews desperate to destroy us. They come back and they share all those who made professions of faith. All the souls saved, marvelling at how gracious, how kind, how forgiving God is for opening the door and welcoming those who were once excluded from his family. Paul and Barnabas returned telling that at every cost the message was preached. And oh my goodness, God was so gracious that he used our feeble words and he saved souls. The word must be preached at all costs. Paul knew it. Barnabas knew it. The early church knew it. Do we know it? That the good news is the most important thing anyone needs. And therefore at all costs it must be preached. Paul is dead. He can't do our evangelism for us anymore. His mission, God's plan for his life is is finished. But his mission, spreading the good news, is not finished. The need for preaching is still here. Because there's millions of people in this world with no truth, no hope, no light. The message must be preached. And we are its messengers. We, like Paul and Barnabas, have been entrusted with his beautiful gospel and given it to share with a dying world. And for us, things will just be as hard as it was for Paul. We will preach and share and love and forgive. And some people, they just won't care. We can display a godly lifestyle and we can model what it looks like to love God and love others. And some people will misunderstand and just think we're weird. We can share and we can proclaim and we can tell of the great hope that we have in Jesus. And some people will want us to shut up. Some mightn't be able to stand us or tolerate us. And in fact, some people might harm us or hurt us. Others might turn people, politicians, world leaders against us in an effort to make us quiet. But what's greater? Our need for safety and comfort in this life? Or knowing that we will enjoy safety and comfort in the next forever? And that no person, no work or no demon can take that away from us? What's more important, our need to fit into a culture and spare ourselves from embarrassment? Or the need of a dying world of a saviour who is strong and kind? The word must be proclaimed in your home. In your work, in the streets, over board games, over dinner, over coffee, when there's mourning, when there's suffering, when we're broken and disheartened, when we don't feel like it, when you feel like you've nothing more to give, the gospel must be preached. It will divide. It will probably cost us. We might even be hurt. But if the word of God truly is good news, then it needs to be preached and preached at all costs. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the beauty of the gospel. We ask and pray that it would only grow more impressive, more bright, more amazing in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our own lives. And we pray this week, Lord, that you would help us to share it with whoever you would want. God, we ask for the boldness and the bravery. God, we ask for the help. We ask for the words. We ask for the acts. And we ask, God, that in our mission as your citizens this week, that we might not hold back the gospel from those who need it. We praise you and we thank you that it's not up to us, that it's not about a, a formula of correct words. It's not about um, explaining the gospel in 30 seconds. Um, it's not about getting everything right. Uh, Father, we just ask you for the opportunity to do orbit in spreading your word. And then we leave it to you to save souls. Be with us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.